Thank you for listening to the sermon podcast for Salem Heights Church. We meet weekly at 9 and 11 a.m. For more information, visit SalemHeightsChurch.org. Well, good morning, church. So good to be with you this morning. If you're a guest with us, we just want to welcome you to Salem Heights. Thank you for worshiping with us. And you've come on a weekend where we're going to... uh, do something a little bit different. We're going to be sharing kind of an update with our church. Uh, it's a brand new year and an opportunity for us as pastors to share on behalf of our leadership team some of the things that uh, God has been stirring in us and uh, be able to kind of share an answer to the question of why do we do what we do here at Salem Heights Church this morning. So if you have a copy of God's Word, we're going to be looking at a text in Colossians, the New Testament letter of Colossians, uh, starting in chapter 1. And uh, Pastor Justin, as you think about um, kind of the importance of taking these moments um, as a family and being able to share, um, what's the value that we're hoping to offer our people this morning? Well, well, first of all, can I just recognize that there seems to be a little bit of uh, energy in the house this morning. Do you guys feel uh, excited to be worshiping? I heard some uh, uh, shouting, some joyous singing from backstage. I wasn't picking out individual voices, but you sounded fairly excited to be here. Uh, The other thing is, um, it's awesome when we get together with other believers. I mean, it's one thing to sing at home along with uh, whoever you have on the radio. It's another thing entirely to be with brothers and sisters in Christ agreeing. Amen? Amen. That's the thing. And so we're here today collectively, and uh, we're enjoying our time in the Word. We're enjoying our time in fellowship. But if we just came on a Sunday did a couple of things that we kind of uh, would call church and then went back without having extended purpose or knowing what it was we were committing to or having a plan uh, in our life, we would would be the lesser for it. And so these Sunday mornings, beginning of the year, uh, you and I have set aside time to um, remind people what what we use as an organizing principle here at the church. Uh, Our purpose statement at Salem Heights Church doesn't come from a group of men, it comes from the Word of God. So we have a scripture that we look to, and it causes us to sort all of the ministries that we're doing. And as we grow, and we have to bring changes to bear uh, to our church, we just keep assessing what we're going to do next by the word of God. And so we're just going to remind you of what it is, what passage uh, we focus on as a church, what we feel our call has been. And we're going to ask you to pay attention to that with us uh, in your own area of service. So... Yeah, we've been talking for about a year now about some vision, uh, some places we want to go as a church. And a vision is just what we hope to accomplish. And like Pastor Justin just said, like our overall vision is rooted in a passage that we get out of Colossians chapter 1, verses 28, where we're going to look at here in just a second. But our vision really then leads us into our mission. What are we then going to be about? And we want to make sure that whatever we do as a church helps us accomplish the vision that God has given us specifically, both for for those God has entrusted to us to disciple and to raise up, but those also that God has entrusted to us to reach out to and to minister to here in our city. And so there has been a groundswell of excitement as we believe God is growing our church, but also equipping our church to continue to achieve that that vision. And so as you grow as a church, um, the mission might look a little different. What you do and how you do it might change. It might ebb and might flow. But the vision of what we're actually been called to do as a church will not change. 
And I think it's important for us at a time like this because we have a number of you who've been here for decades. Um, but for those of us who've been here for decades, we look around and there are some who've been with us for weeks. And we wanna never yeah. assume that we are all understanding why we exist as a church, but what the Salem Heights believe has been called to do uniquely as a church here in South Salem and in, in Oregon. And so we wanna show you that this morning from the word of God, and we'll help kind of set up some future conversations that we're, we're getting yeah. ready to share with you and some exciting things that we have, believe God has in store for our church. So hope you found your way to Colossians chapter one. We're gonna start in verse 24, and I'm gonna read through chapter two, verse three. Um, if you're ready, say ready. ready. This is the word of the Lord. Now I rejoice in my sufferings for you, and I am completing in my flesh what is lacking in Christ's affliction for his body, that is, the church. I have become its servant according to God's commission that was given to me for you to make the word of God fully known, the mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints. God wanted to make known among the Gentiles the glorious wealth of his, this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. We proclaim him, warning and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone mature in Christ. I labor for this, striving with his strength that works powerfully in me. For I want you to know how greatly I am struggling for you, for those in Laodicea and for all who have, been, who have not seen me in person. I want their hearts to be encouraged and joined together in love so that they may have all the riches of complete understanding and have the knowledge of God's mystery, Christ. In him are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Would you pray with me? Father God, as we just now continue to think about this passage and how it gives us marching orders, it gives us a vision and a mission to fulfill. God, would you allow this text, your word, to not only energize us and give us clarity, but as a church family, would it be the uniting principle that we operate by, that we live by, and that we strive to achieve in your Holy Spirit's power? I pray this in your son's name. Amen. Amen. Colossians 128 is that mission statement for us. It says here again, we proclaim him, which means we preach the word of God. We proclaim Christ week in and week out warning and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone mature in Christ. And that is our focus here at Salem Heights Church. We believe it is our calling to steward the people that God has given to us. You are his. You are his child. You're created in his image. And he has called the church globally and then little expressions of the church, these local churches to come and to make disciples and to raise up those followers of Christ into maturity in him. Some of your translations might say to become complete or perfect in Christ. And so that's our focus is that we want to see everyone, no matter where they're at, whether they're new to Christ or they've been following Christ for years. Perhaps this is the first time they're hearing for Christ, or perhaps they've heard and they've been rejecting Christ. Whoever God places in our path, whether they come in our doors or we meet them as we go out from here, our call is to help those to become mature in Christ. And so that, what we wanted to kind of yeah. do this morning is kind of highlight them. So what does it look like for a person to have a mature faith? Yeah. All right, I've set us up. All right. And we've got three points now here of what it. that looks like. But as I just kind of read that, when I read that text and, and we kind of restate our vision, 
is that we would be a church full of people who are mature in Christ. You've yeah. been around since this was actually kind of became the, the yeah. tagline. This was derived from scripture. What do you think of every time we read this verse? Well, I mean, actually, we've, uh, we've taught on this passage multiple times. And as we've come to it, uh, at, uh, sometimes we focused on that word proclaim. Sometimes we've come to the warning. There are seasons where uh, many warnings happen within the church. Uh, teaching, what does it look like to shore up your teaching? Uh, this week, uh, we're just focusing on that word mature. Um, but what we found is that there's a, a lot of depth to this one passage. He's actually using this passage, Paul is, to tie together a whole bunch of other thoughts that uh, have tendrils that go out into every aspect of what it means to be a church, mm -hmm. to be active in the faith with other believers. And so we're looking at that one word, mature, in there, and just three different aspects of that, what that drives uh, into our life. When we talk about the life of the church, this has been the thing. Um, when we came up with a purpose statement a long time ago that was kind of derived a little bit from culture, um, intending to use scriptural ideas or theology, but having a purpose statement nonetheless that was created by us or our team, we always found we were going back and having to rework it because it didn't actually meet the need of the moment within 10 years. As soon as we just turned to scripture, we found that every single season, scripture met us right where we were at. It was guiding and pulling us forward and continually calling us into what is next. And so we had a long time ago decided this would be our, our verse we were striving to fulfill uh, as a, a church, as a group of leaders at SHC. Um, that word mature, though, for this morning is enough because we, uh, we only have 20 minutes, and two you preachers. and I, two preachers yeah. in 20 minutes. We can do it. That's a quantum physics conundrum right there. How can two things be true at the same time and not blow up? Three points. We're going to start right here. The mature person is cognizant. Now, before I go on, Good we word. tried to choose some words that maybe you don't use every day so you would listen <laughs> instead of argue with us, all right? We took out the dictionary. We yeah, were like, we what? actually were like, does it really mean that? Yeah. Because sometimes I use words that aren't real. <laughs> the mature person is cognizant, grows in their knowledge and application of information. I want you to think about something, and I, and I just want you to stay with me here. This word mature is actually a word, if you go to some of your Greek tools, you can look these up online, you'll see many of uh, your leaders in the Greek uh, area saying, this is a, an interesting word that's being pulled in from the culture. Those in Colossae and those in Laodicea would have understood it. There were a lot of mystery religions, and in those mystery religions, you couldn't actually advance in your knowledge unless you had special knowledge. So you were constantly searching in the places where you dwelt. You were listening for some voice that had special knowledge, and that truth would call you deeper into it. And, and you could not grow or become mature in that knowledge unless you had special knowledge. Now today... Right, We have people online who will tell you they have special knowledge you don't have and they can pull you deeper into knowledge. And we follow a lot of rabbit trails. Paul does this in this moment in Colossians. He says, I wanna present everyone mature in Christ. The moment that you come to Jesus, this is the crazy thing. You don't need a guru to be on the inside. Amen, Amen goes there, right? 
In fact, those people who are constantly searching for secret knowledge find themselves feeling overwhelmed, concerned, and they fall flat in the Christian faith. I don't want to just be a Christian. I want to be a super Christian, right? Well, it turns out that's not the way God decided it. Every single believer has the same opportunity to thrive in Jesus as the one sitting right next to him. Our challenge is to encourage our brothers and sisters in Christ to rise. I have a, a picture here of two types of water. Uh, this first one is an actual, uh, that, those animals are drinking from that, all right? There are villages that would get their water from a seep. Uh, we work with a group of folks down in Guatemala, and one of the guys, Omar Marakin, that's there, works with a company called, uh, in English, it's Life Water, um, and they have a problem because they come in to a village where they need to drink water in order to stay uh, healthy. They need to wash their hands and do this, but this is where they get their water. And imagine instead you have water that's been purified, and you can see in the next picture here, um, clean. Uh, I feel like that would be a better place to get your water for the day. One of the problems they have in these villages, if you have to go a long ways to the place where the purified water is, you get your jugs filled up for for free. You, you have the opportunity to wash your hands in clean water and use that for your home. But one of the problems that they have in those cultures, this is the crazy thing, is convincing the people that one of the problems that has been impacting them in a culture, the reason that they have chronic disease, that they're battling dysentery, that they've got disease, dysentery, and dyspepsia, right? Three things you may have experienced after grandma's turkey. <laughs> At Christmas, this is not something that should be a part of your everyday life. The hardest thing is to convince a group of people that there's something in the water they've been drinking that is causing them harm. They say, well, it's water, just like what you're giving us. It's water. It's just a little different color, but it's water. The hardest thing for us as a group of believers to do is to look at each other when we see what's happened in the last five years and we're not thoroughly impressed with what happened in Christianity, the church, big C, across the nation, is convincing our brothers and sisters in Christ that there might have been something in the water they were drinking that was causing them harm. It's hard for us to realize that. What we're offering here is an opportunity to become mature. To find out how it is that you can actually drink from pure water on your own. No need, to, uh, no need to run it through filtration system. This water is pure. But how can you do that on your own and not need a guru? That's item one. Mm-hmm. So, As we think about that, this idea of cognizant is, is aware. Um, they're discerning. They're growing in their knowledge, but they know how to apply it to their lives. And we believe that as a church, we are then called to help people grow and mature in this way. And so some of the ways that we do that is through the formation of groups of people around God's word where they can study God's word and they can drink deeply from it and be able Mm -hmm. to talk about what is it that the Holy Spirit is trying to highlight what would it look like to live this out? Why can we trust it? And to have that fellowship of believers encouraging one another to trust this and drink from this alone in a world that's full of a lot of other polluted water sources. And yeah. so you know, ways that we want you to grow, ways that we're hoping to 
uh, have you grown mature are, are through things like our growth groups, men's and women's discipleship, where uh, you come around God's word together and you study books of the Bible and you study major themes from the Bible and you let that not only grow you up, but then begin to impact how you walk your life out. Um, another way that we believe, another pure source that we're trying to yeah. provide um, information for people to grow and how can I be used by God to a- accomplish his vision, his mission for his church is through things like our biblical counseling program. And many of you, as you came in today, received a little card uh, invitation talking about the upcoming Made to Minister conference, a biblical counseling conference that we're hosting here at Salem Heights Church. And you might think, well, that's for people who are serving in biblical counseling, but actually the Made to Minister philosophy that kind of over is the overarching principle of our biblical counseling program is that every believer filled with the Holy Spirit And having a copy of God's word is actually not only capable, but called to minister to one another, the one another care. And that's really what counseling is, is just discipleship. It's coming alongside each other and using God's word to encourage each other, to correct wrong thinking, to encourage the discouraged and help them give them steps for how to live out. So I would really love to encourage you. If you're looking for a source of water to drink from beyond just your own personal time in God's word, out in the Connection Center, just out the middle doors today, we have opportunities for you to get plugged into a men's or women's growth group. It's not too late. You can sign up for those today. Uh, but perhaps you would be interested in learning more. The, the Biblical Counseling Conference, you can attend that. doesn't mean you have to become a biblical counselor, but it will actually help you understand how to use God's Word just to minister to your own heart and then be able to minister to others. And so those are a couple of ways that, as a church, we're trying to provide clean sources of water to drink yeah. from so that we can grow into this maturity. And uh, I just want to pause right there. Sometimes we make an offer like that and we just blow by it and we go on to the next point. I I think you need to just recognize as we look around in our world, um, the the world has come up with some answers. And what we have is a rise in maybe some entitlement programs. We have a rise in some uh, different philosophies. We have a rise in counseling ideas that are hitting our culture. But we also have a rise in depression despondency, the amount of folks that are desiring to take their life. You want to be a cool drink of water of something pure in this culture? It's not, what we're trying to tell you is it's not complicated, but we got to stop drinking from that place where the world is and start drinking from the place that God provides. You can offer this cool drink of water to your next door neighbor. And we're just going to show you some simple ways to do that, to get rid of the fear But signing up with a group isn't uh, buying into just another thing. It really is an opportunity for you to be able to say, let me ladle out some of this for you. Let me show you where I got it and teach them how to get there on their own. Mm. That's a beautiful opportunity. So the mature person is cognizant. Write that word down and try to remember it. Second one, the mature person is connected. Maturity leads to community. So uh, let me set this one up. Also here, and then Pete, you had a few thoughts on this actually that helped me quite a bit. But we have a picture here of a wall. I just want you to imagine this. Um, That looks great, doesn't it? How many of you would like to live right there? (laughs) You can study for a long time on what it means to make a great foundation. You can work extremely hard at putting up the first wall. If you walk into a home and you notice the individual boards... You're not going to be comfortable there. 
All right? That's not a good place to stay the night. If you walk into an old home and you begin to recognize individual boards, something is about to fall on you. That place is going to fall apart. It's the same way in a church. You want to know what happens when you walk into a nice, well-set home? You're not noticing the home. You notice the warmth. You notice the protection. You notice a sense when you walk in there. But you're not looking around saying, you know what? That shingle on the outside was amazing. I'm confident that underneath that plaster right there, that 100-year-old place, there's a stud that's been just standing there firm all of those years. You're not worried about those individual boards. It's the same way here. We're so worried quite often about our individual stories. We're so worried about our individualism. We forget that God has called us to be a community. And when we gel together and do what we are called to do, when we are the body of Christ like that, there is a warmth and a connection where people walk in and they forget the individuals. They see Christ. There is a warmth and a sense of community that other people say, that's a place where I can find shelter. That's a place where I can find health. That's a place where I can recover or grow or launch out of. But it's not because of an individual. It's not our individual stories. It's because of the community that's created. We were talking about this and uh, you were just talking about um, that aspect of community, how that impacted you. Well, yeah, I mean, the idea of a house is a great one because it's one of the illustrations that the Bible uses to describe, you know, this idea of we're being built up on top of Christ, um, living temples. Yeah. You know, he's living inside of us. And, and so we're not called just to be on our own, but we're called to be connected to people. And one of the greatest ways that this is accomplished is through service. One of the things that might feel like, um, and we're constantly talking about community or getting is serving, it's because we believe that is a critical part of the maturing process. Um, for me, my, my testimony was I, I went a large part of my adult saved life where I wasn't really serving mm. with other believers in the local church. And then through the process of just being participating, whether it was in uh, midweek ministry, helping out with children's ministry for a few years, or being able to be part of some of the mission trips that we have here at the church, there is something that God does in you um, through service that you don't find those opportunities or that growth by yourself. Not only does God affirm what he has made you strong in and how he wants to equip you and use you to be a part of this house, part of this family, part of this church, but God will also give you an appreciation for the way that he has skillfully and wonderfully made others. Mm -hmm. He will make you very keenly aware of your your inadequacies and the ways that you need to rely on God. Um, He will show you and do things to you as he watches you, as you watch him take a diverse group of people and bring them together for a common purpose that inspires your faith and causes you to trust him when you can't see how things are going to turn out. And that all happens within the context of community. I think you have people in your mind that you look at and go, they have a mature faith. But one of the reasons I believe you probably see that is because you've seen them visibly serving, not just saying they believe in Christ or being able to tell you about Christ, but they're actually living their lives in a way that resembles the Christ we read about. And that is one of the marks of mature faith. And that comes through being connected to other people. And so as a church, if we're wanting to fulfill this call for you, not only do we have to create opportunities for you to drink from clean water, we want to create opportunities for you to find community. And so we do that through Oikos groups, our small groups, where we just say, gather with the people that you're already doing life with and just encourage one another, be in the word, pray together on a regular basis. 
Uh, but we are excited about in this next year being able to share some information about the return of our missions program and some mission opportunities both locally and abroad for you to participate in in a unique way. But I, I also saw Salem Heights today where we had this invitation for even ministry here, a mission field in our church. That's right now. There's missions going on in another portion of this building and how there's opportunities for you to get involved in D6 and other places like that. It's not just about making the engine run so we can do church every week. It's actually part of strategic discipleship making mature believers. Yeah, I I think about um, in my kids' life, some of the the folks that have been around here for a while, um, they quote their Sunday school teachers. They had friendships with those Sunday school teachers. Those are still guiding lights in their life. Uh, as they make decisions later on, some of the decisions they make, they're asking themselves, would my teachers appreciate that? Would these people that I got to know at the church that loved on me uh, appreciate that? You can make a difference that lasts for the rest of the life of those individuals right today by helping us out in children's ministry. There are no second best ministries from the parking lot to up front. Mm. No second best. Um, there's no first chair there are only different roles that all matter. And so. And I notice what he says here in verse two. He says, I want their hearts to be encouraged. That's an individual, like, I want their hearts to be encouraged and joined together in love so that they may all yeah. have the riches of complete understanding and have the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ. I think Paul's desire here is for maturity, both individually and collectively. And so that's why it's important for mature faith to be connected to other believers. So good. Our third one, we're landing the plane here, folks. A mature person is charitable. That's having and showing concern for the welfare of others. A mature person is charitable. We have a couple of pictures here, pictures that are meant to make you go, aw. Yeah, there we go. Even a penguin out there in that frozen area can take care of their children, right? Look at this uh, pride of kitties safe. Don't get out of the car if you see that. But uh, (laughs) what are the signs that a creature is mature? How do you know which one is the parent or which one is the child? Is it just size? Or is there something that you begin to recognize in a mature creature? Mm -hmm. Not even just human, but a mature creature. There is something in maturity where the mature ones in the tribe, the mature ones in the pride, the mature ones in that little family group take care of the younger ones. The mature ones take care of the sick or the harm. The mature ones take care of the welfare of the community as a whole. Just animals as a picture, but for us in general, Maturity is the willingness to let go of yourself, to look out for the welfare of others. And it's not just about the mature taking care of the immature, but it's also of the mature taking care of those maybe who have stumbled or had a hard time, those who are are sick, but actually will surpass them in their ability to impact the community. Mature people help those around them, even if they are, for, for lack of a better term, greater than them. Mature people help. They give of themselves to bless others. We, we look at the growth of our church um, in, in a lot of different ways, but one of the things that's exciting is that 
you know, God is doing it through the church. He's doing it through uh, our people just sharing their faith, living like Christ in their community, serving one another. And so as we grow as a church and as we have growing families and there's growing life and those types of things, uh, that is not because that has been our objective. Our objective has been to present everyone mature in Christ. And so as he continues to do that, God continues to entrust to us not just the leaders, the pastors, but our church entrust to us these, these opportunities to disciple and to do life and to grow and to serve together. And so the word that keeps coming to my mind is this is a stewardship opportunity. Um, this is God's church. You are God's people. Everything that, that God has given you and everything that God brings to our church through you is his. And so we are called to steward not only the discipleship making process within our church, which means we need to take care of you, we need to shepherd you, but we also need to steward well the opportunities that God has given us outside of the four walls of this building, Mm -hmm. outside of this congregation. And God has opened up three unique areas and that are meeting needs in our community, both through biblical counseling, our addictions victory ministry, and just care for other churches and their pastors. Yeah. And so what we believe is that stewardship is really the conduit in which God's generosity to us flows through us and goes into that next generation. Um, the idea of sacrifice is not something that God just calls us to. It's something that he models. And so to follow Christ means we're going to have a part of our life as we mature that becomes more sacrificial. I think you told a story one time uh, just about uh, a child. I don't know if this was a personal story or an illustration, but it was just how like there was a child who was really uh, generous with giving away candy that they have. And the reason they were so generous giving away candy is because they knew that their dad had more candy and their dad would always give them candy. So they they were never worried about, well, if I give this candy away, then I won't have my candy. I think that's, that needs to be a picture of what the church is. There's nothing that we have that we won't give away because we know that we didn't create it, we didn't produce it, and the one who gave it to us has an unending resource for us. Yeah. And so we want to be great stewards. And so maturing faith in our church is going to look like a group of people who are growing up and saying, this is all my father's. He has called me to steward this on his behalf as he intends. And so whether it be my finances, my time, my gifts whether it be my life, to live a life that models this faith, I'm going to give it away. It's going to flow through me to help other people. And so as we grow, uh, we're going to give away a lot. We're going to give away a lot here. We're going to, we're going to impact not only the, the kids and the future generations, we're going to impact our families here, but we also want that generosity that God has given us, those resources to flow out to those other opportunities that God has called us to steward within our community. Yeah, and I think we highlighted that one time under the, the banner of three gifts mm-hmm. that we're looking at when we look outside the four, wall, or the four walls of our church. Yeah. But, um, and I think it's really easy for us to wrap our minds around the need for counseling, which I think is going to be the point of the spear in this next generation. I, I think that if you are able to take the, the word of God and be able to speak to the things we're seeing in our culture. You can share with your neighbor, this is what God says, and you'll sense that spirit begin to settle. It's a balm for the wounds that are out there. But people aren't streaming into the church anymore to find those answers. They're waiting till they hear about them out there and then coming. They're listening to you. And so you need to be able to counsel your neighbor. Um, have a real answer for addiction. That's another one. Uh, The third one is, how how are we going to minister to pastors? If I could just speak to that for a moment, because we've had a pretty strong reaction, actually, to that idea in general. We had 
some folks who have said, well, you know, what do you guys have to offer? And I would agree. Um, <laughs> what do we have to offer? Um, there are others who, you know, have said, hey, I, I could see where you might want to do that, but uh, um, what tools are you going to bring? When we talk about being mature, this is the goal that we have. Um, a short while ago, uh, this question actually came up personally to me from a couple different folks. We had announced uh, Steve, who's actually in this auditorium, uh, this service. We had announced him as a new member on our staff. And we'd been joking around a little bit as, as uh, Steve came up about, oh, no, you know, he's from another church. Do I need to share the gospel with him? And, and we had some chuckles in the audience. But I, I wanted for those who are not longtime Salem Heiders for you to understand why that might have been uh, the joke. The joke is not other churches. The concern was the heart that we had had for years as a, a church at Salem Heights. There's a foolish belief when you grow into a certain location that you're the only ones that have it right. All right? We don't have it right. Um, in this last four years, I think the ugliest side of Christianity has come out where we have walked away, and, and I just want you to hear me if you're new to Salem Heights. We talk plainly as a family from time to time, so let me just talk to you as family. You may be visiting, you might be new here, and you might have been wounded in this last season. We can help you walk through that. But we do not accept labels like, uh, well, I'm coming from that right-wing church, or I'm coming from that woke church, or whatever it is. Most of the time when I listen to folks, I, I find out that they actually haven't sat down with the pastor or the leaders that they're bothered by. They've heard a soundbite. They've heard some people talk about it. They begin to chew on those things. But do you know that there's about a 40% rate right now of pastors, good men, who are leaving the pulpit because they just cannot find any traction. They're so beat up over these last years. People that are better at their job than Pete and I. We're just foolish enough to keep coming back Monday. <laughs> or I am. Thank you, Pete, for Preach. doing it. Yeah. <laughs> Here's the truth. There are guys in our community, and I want you to hear me, who are way better at that role than ours, than, than we are. And our job is to give them a cool drink of water to remind mm -hmm. them, this is why the Lord called you. This is what your gifting is. And to encourage them as they move forward. We actually cannot help a lot of these guys in the area of strategy because they're better at strategy. They're better at planning. They're better at resourcing than we are. But we can encourage them. Our main goal is going to be to help good men, find good men that are stumbling or overwhelmed or hurting in that moment and coach them up. But I do want you to hear this. As you come in here, you will not honor us by talking down about another church. Good churches all around our city, some thriving at one point and then others thriving at another. It's not because of secret sauce, okay? The Lord's assignment. If you are here, we're going to do our very best to encourage you in the word and to cause you to chase after Jesus, but you may be here only for a season to heal and go back to that place that God's called you to, and I want you to hear that's a blessed thing, okay? You're not in with the holy crew right now and going out to the broken. There are good churches in this city 
And we're asking that God would continue to remind them to just be in the word, to chase after him and to find their flourishing in this word they're calling, not in metrics. So I'm sorry to take a little extra time there, but I do want to make sure that that's clear. It's a failure on my part if we joke around and we don't actually remember what we're talking about as a family. Good and godly churches in our community. We just want to give them a cold drink of water when things get hard. So as we wrap up this morning, I just want to speak to the question of why would we do that this morning? We've been talking a lot about vision this last year, 2022. And we're going to continue to talk about that because you have to say things multiple times for people to really see it, have a chance to ask questions and to understand it. Because we don't believe this is just the vision of a few people. We believe this is the vision God's giving Salem Heights Church. And so if this is your church, we're asking you to join in and pray with us and seek God's direction because we believe he's moving us in this way. But as we begin to share some things that have been uh, discussed and planned, some of the strategic vision that we believe God has made clear to our leadership team and our staff um, we want you to know that behind all of that, you have the, the privilege to be able to say, but why are we doing that? What is, what is driving us as a church? Because we want you to know what we're about. We want you to see that everything we do, we believe can t- be tied back to this decision, this initiative, this direction is going to help us have people become mature in Christ. And if it doesn't, then you need to raise your hand and go, how does this help us accomplish our vision? Mm-hmm. Our vision Uh, will never change. The mission, how we accomplish that vision is going to look different as we grow. It's going to look different from time to time. And for those of you who've been in here a long time, we look a lot different than we did 20 years ago. (laughs) Praise be to the Lord. But our vision hasn't changed. And we will not let that change because we want whatever we do to be rooted in God's word because his word never fails. Amen. Uh, We're going to pray and then we're going to just transition into a time of Lord's Supper and just reflect again on the generosity that's already been shown to us yeah. through the death and resurrection of our Savior. Pastor Justin, would you pray for us? Yeah, as we get ready to pray, can I just have you notice two things? First of all, if you did not get some elements on the way in, raise your hand because we're going to participate in Lord's Supper. Uh, raise your hand. The men will bring those to you. Uh, this is a one, one-time deal, this return to the old cups okay, that we had before. But if you're like me and you got just a little bit of neuropathy, you're going to wonder how in the world do I actually break into this cup, okay, to participate. There's a little wafer that's on the top and juice on the bottom. Familiarize yourself with those. There's a tab on the front there, and you can just kind of press that down a little bit, and you'll notice a little thin piece of cellophane. If you're over 55, ask your neighbor to notice it for you. You pull that up. That, that's going to be your first tab. Yes, I know. Lean over. Somebody's got readers in their purse. They can help you. One-time deal, all right? If you have, uh, you know, nimble fingers, help your neighbor. We're going to participate in the Lord's table. But here's the important moment. We've just talked about what it means to be mature. We've given you some examples of what it means to be mature. We've given you some opportunities where you are called to connect to something greater than your own appetite or your own desire. But all of this matters because of a personal relationship with Jesus Christ who paid for our sins. Amen? Amen. We're in the family. We are covered and and, and are able to experience grace only because of him. That's a finished work. 
What we're asking you to participate in is for you to experience the joy of what it means to walk with Jesus. But your salvation has been accomplished in a one-time act. Jesus Christ paid it all. Amen. And all you need to do to incorporate that, to make that yours, is believe. Believe and you're saved. Aren't you thankful for that? Amen. So what I'm going to ask you to do is we're going to bow our heads, close our eyes. I'm going to ask us just to take a moment. I'm going to pray. AJ will come while we're praying, but just keep your head bowed and your eyes closed. And I want you to ask, is there anything, Lord, between you and I? And then is there any area, Lord, that you would have me put you on display? We've been not talking about that this morning. Just between you and the Lord, have that conversation. Settle with him what it is you need to do, whether it's confess or get committed. But this is an opportunity not for you to look at us or something to your neighbor, but to look to the Lord and make things right. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, as we get ready now for this celebration to participate in your table, we pray that you would help us. Help us to, first of all, be reminded of what it was that Christ did. His death, burial, and resurrection accomplished for us salvation. We can walk in joy and forgiveness. We can experience freedom only because of what Jesus did. Nothing we do, nothing we can accomplish will make that happen. So we ask, Father, that you would help us to rest in that finished work. But then, Father, we also ask that you would help us. It says that we're to put you on display until Jesus comes again. That's what this table is for, this moment where we take these elements, where we are reminded of what Christ did. It's so that we would be reminded to put him on display every day. Father, we pray that you would help us to be committed to something higher than ourselves to participation, to using our gifts, to joyously being what you've called us to be in a community of faith. Help us right now between us and you to settle those two things. Are we right with you? Are we committed to the right things? Father, as we consider that, I pray that your spirit would just highlight for us what we need to deal with. Help us to experience forgiveness at the moment of confession and the ability to follow through with a new heart of commitment. Help us to do that now, we ask in Jesus' name. If you would open up that first part of your elements, we're gonna follow the scripture in 1 Corinthians 11. Paul here says, for I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The night in which he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. If you would open that second part there. Scripture continues. It says, in the same way also he took the cup after supper and said, this cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. The scripture declares, for as often you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. 
Father, we once again come before you and we thank you for the opportunity to take these elements and to be reminded. Christ's death, burial, and resurrection on our behalf. Uh, Father, should not only inspire faith, but it should inspire a brand new way of living. And so we ask that you would help us to proclaim his death until he comes. That we would look forward to the soon return of Jesus Christ. And that we would not be embarrassed on the day that he comes to see him face to face with the activities that we are doing. I pray that you would help us right now in the commitments that we've made, the thoughts that we had as we were bowing before you earlier. Father, I pray that you'd help us to follow through, to experience forgiveness, to walk in new life. Father, I pray that you would help us in those commitments to bind together with brothers and sisters in Christ and declare your name to this generation. Help us to do that until we see Jesus face to face. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.